Hope everyone enjoyed the Super Bowl. Took a while. Pretty good game, though. We'll talk about the Super Bowl indicator. Some of the odds. Super Bowl stocks. Not much to talk about. Earnings. Big lots. Having a bad day. That actually started on Friday. Craig Johnson, 835. It's a Monday. Wake up. Pre-market prep is starting right now. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's get the show on the road. Uh, S&P's down less than a half a point after that big day on Friday. Uh, down three quarters of a point, 50, 30 and a quarter. Let's call the buck up a couple pennies over 104. Bonds up about a half a point, just over 120. Crude on the decline, down 80 cents, 76.04. Man, when's the last time this thing has been out of the 70 handle? Gold in the red by 360 in 2035. Silver. Going the opposite direction, up nearly 48 cents above $23 at $23.07. And the Bitcoin futures, they're up $490 at $48,260. Quickly approaching the ETF opening day. Let's bring on Triple D. Aaron is off today as well. Triple D, are you worried about the bull market for the year? Based on the Super Bowl indicator. Oh gosh, I don't know the Super Bowl indicator. I forget what it is. Talk it's to me. Basically meaningless. It says if the uh if the AFC team wins, it should be a down year in the market. If the NFC team wins, it should be a good year. But KC won last year. Look what the market did. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. More of the same. I mean, that we were going to call this show Creature of Habit. This market is just more of the same. So, you know, it did well last year. KC won last year. I mean, let's talk Super Bowl here just for a second. Okay, let's go. Um, Commercials, I thought were okay. There was a couple good ones. The Arnold one I love. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I love the State Farm Arnold commercial where, obviously, his accent they were making fun of. Um, The Judge Judy one was pretty funny. There was a couple in there, but overall, I thought they were weak. Um, the game, I thought the first hour, like the first, you know, half pretty boring. I was like, man, if the lions would have been in here, would have been a little more excitement because gambling Dan goes for it on these, you know, fourth and two. And, you know, there was no gambling at all on either of these teams happening. Um, obviously fourth quarter got interesting and then overtime was awesome. So what my question, what, why didn't they kick the ball when they won the coin flip? Shouldn't you kick the ball and then, you know, you get the information on what you need? And, you know, I I, I don't agree with taking, you know, getting the ball. Like when uh, they win the coin toss, they have the option. Like in college yeah. ball, Joel, they would normally kick it to the other team, wouldn't they? And the pros uh, uh, do that too. I mean, I, th- I think it's just some, you know, more of a, like a psychological thing, you know, maybe that, you know, they felt maybe KC defense was a little bit tired. But that, that's what I was wanting. That's what another yeah. friend had said to me. It's like the defense was out there a lot. 
So they wanted to get him a rest. But I mean, you throw the ball to Mahomes knowing exactly what he needs. You know, like in the other case, if Mahomes starts, you know, maybe he's not as, you know, maybe, maybe well, again, he only needed three, but it's Mahomes anyway. So who's going to win it? Maybe there's going to be no stopping Mahomes. Maybe it didn't matter. You give it to Mahomes in overtime. He gets hungry and he just marched down the field. Yeah, that's why we both accurately called it. Uh, Vegas was good, man. I heard uh, the spread moved between one and two and two and a half. I don't see how you didn't take KC with the points. And I think the over-under, and someone correct me on that, uh, I think the over-under on it was like 47 and a half, 48. Look at that. And it turned out to go to overtime. So not sure where you're at on the over-under, but we got to talk a stock. Related, Dennis, and it just had a major pop here. I don't know yeah. if this was on uh, on volume or what. No, Brad that's Pitt. the eight the eight o'clock fooling you, Joel. That's the eight o'clock BS Finra Prince fooling you. It didn't have any pop at all. This again, I have to do this every day because all of you know this this platforms. If you can get the platform that actually just these platforms that are quoting this, just don't quote that stuff. Get that stuff out of there in the pre market. You know, like FINRA, like go right trade station low. Tell them to get rid of the FINRA prints in the pre market. Well, how the hell did someone print at 44.65 when the high of the day was 44.04? Yeah, there's not. Yeah, well, I don't even know either, but 44.64 yeah. is a bunch of odd lots that went off there. So okay. I can tell you it's a bunch of odd lots and it's all FINRA and all off exchange. And again, because we have no transparency of what these FINRA prints are because they just classify everything. We've asked the SEC. I have this talk with you guys once a month. We've asked the SEC, you know, multiple times. Lots of people have asked for more transparency in the federal quote. They don't. Everything off exchange just goes to the federal quote. So who the hell knows really what 4449 is? Five shares going off of 4449. Is it a bunch of retail orders that they just screwed them all? Maybe. I don't know what it is because they don't tell us. They just say FINRA. So all I can tell you is a bunch of off exchange trades happen at 4469.5. But again, none of this. Wow. This was all outside the current market. So. Whether they're old or whether they're screwing somebody, I have no idea. Regulators, if you are listening, I know sometimes you do. Give us transparency. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Nobody does just looking at the tape. The only person I don't know is the person that's on the other side of these orders. The other person that gets their confirmed that they bought it at 44.65 on Friday is not going to be you very know, right happy. Now. Yeah. If you're listening to the show and you just bought DKNG at 44.65 right now for five shares, Email us because I want to know what that's all about. And whatever retail broker you're using, they're screwing you. Because the okay. price, the, the offer the whole time was 43.63. So it is up. So the real market right now here, Joel, ignore all that other thinner crap. What is 43.60. Bid offer. Give me a bid offer. 43.53, 43.63. 10 cents wide. There's an odd lot bid of 43.58. Yes, I subscribed all those quotes. That's ARCA book. 43.58, 20 shares. If you need to get out 20 shares, it's a 20 share bid there. So it's fairly tight. It's really bounced around here a lot. It was up earlier almost to $44. Then they tanked this thing down to almost $43. Now it's right back in the middle here. One thing I will say is you've run up quite a bit, and this was a catalyst-driven trade. DKNG going up into the print. A lot of times what you see is once the catalyst is behind us, some of that order flow comes back out. So it would not surprise me if DKNG actually turns around and eventually goes red here today. Maybe not off the bat. People are excited. Oh, they were gambling, figuring out numbers. CNBC will be talking about DKNG. We're talking about it. But I think what's going to happen is eventually some of the wind comes out of the sales here.
All right, let's just do the reset from Friday. I mean, great week last week, great two weeks running into the Super Bowl. Uh, and I'm just going to give you the reset for Friday. We got to see what happens at $44. $44.04 was your high uh, on, on Friday. That's the high of the move. The closing high for the move. Uh, was made yesterday as well as 43.38. So the bulls are going to try and keep it green. And uh, let's see the rest. I mean, let's keep an eye on $44, 44.04. Not much here on the monthlies as well. So keep an eye if you get a sustained $44 bid. We do talk about Penn, but Penn is just uh, has a mind of its own. That move up a little bit last week. Last week. Not nearly as much, but uh, well, well actually, it moved up pretty well. So, same thing. I would say DK and G. I'd trade them together here today. Keep an eye on DK and G. It will be your leader of the casino stocks. Um, there's a big story here today. Let's move away from that Super Bowl stuff. And it's Big Lots here. Oh. And Big Lots is going to be your story of the day on the downside here. It's down 20%. We saw a children's place last week. Yep. Really open week. And it started to bounce at the bottom. I mean, not back. It went from 20 to 8. And then bounced back to 12. So... You know, there, there was buy the dipping, and like I've been talking about buy the dip in tech. There was some buy the dip in retail last week. I didn't know if it was going to come in. I didn't think it was going to come in. It did. So that makes me, you know, just, you know, saying, you know, that big lots, you know, may have some buy the dip come in here. But there's a lot of news here, which is somewhat concerning here. Friday night, Bloomberg uh, was reporting, uh, coming from Bloomberg, that uh, big lots had reached out to bankers and investors to assess market willingness to provide a new loan. That was coming Friday night. So, I mean, they're looking around asking for money. And then today, the reason the stock is really tagging here is Loop Capital come out with a really tough note, putting a, a downgrading the stock to sell, putting a $1 price target on it. And obviously, that's, you know, what really is driving the stock down. Obviously, Big Lots has seen all this, you know, people talking about their company over the weekend. So they actually came out this morning to defend their stock talking about and they provide preliminary unaudited results for comment for uh, commentary for q4 they say it's delivered performance in line with its guidance on comparable sales the gross margin rate operating expenses inventory uh just reading it here from the pro so they're saying they're okay so big lots is saying they're okay bloomberg sounded somewhat concerned loop sounds very concerned big lot says they're okay i don't know who you believe well i know who i'd be leaning to believe but uh, stocks under five dollars. This big lot story has been a tough story for a while. Yeah, I mean, I guess there was no confidentiality agreement with these uh, banks when they were uh, supposedly. But a uh, big hit on this, and uh, you did. I'll give you your pre-market low. Your pre-market low comes in at four thirteen. Not too far away from that, the company came out, tried to defend the stock. That really didn't work much. Uh, work very well. Uh, low of the move uh, back in uh, November of last year, we got 347. I'll just take maybe a playbook out of the children's place. I believe that news came out on Friday. Uh, did exceed the pre-market low, but it did find the bid later in the day. So we'll see what happens yeah. with uh, we'll see what happens with big lots uh, trading deep in the red here at uh, 426. Over 100,000 shares of trading probably had some decent volume on Friday as well. Moving All along. Right. We normally have AB to move us along, but I'm doing AB's job here because he'll be back. AB coming back tomorrow? Uh, no, tomorrow. AB is not going to be back uh, with us until Thursday. 
Oh my gosh, I've got to yeah, continue. To, yeah, I don't know how that the got news through. guy. I'm the news yeah. guy. You're you're obviously a chart guy. Stocks. The, the other stock reporting, we might as well do the one earnings company that we do have this morning here, and it's Monday.com. MMDY stock is trading down twenty six dollars. I'll give you the news here, Joel. Just going sure. to my trusty Benzinga Pro. Um, all kinds of so sixty five cents versus thirty two cents is a beat. Two hundred two yeah. million versus one hundred ninety seven million is a beat. Revenue guidance not as high as the market maybe would have liked. Uh, for Q1 2024, they expect total revenue to be 207 to 211 million. Well, analyst estimates were 209, so that's kind of in line. And when you are commanding, when your stock trading at all-time highs and commanding a probably a pretty good premium, I don't. Let's go look at the details actually, uh, just for where the PE is on this thing, because this isn't a stock I trade a lot. I actually was long a little bit um, ahead of the report, but it's cool. before that. Yeah, the forward P on this thing, I don't know, like 121. Ooh. So, I mean, you're trading with a pretty high PE here. You don't want to see guidance in line. So, that is why when coming out of the sale, stock is trading down 11% here, Joel. What's the technical saying? Uh, you're getting a little bit of a bounce. Really no great clear support here uh, based on the dailies. Uh, that The next daily low that comes into play at 201.65, uh, pre-market low is above that. No daily lows co uh, corresponding with that. Uh, the pre-market low comes in at 206. So the fact that you're four bucks above it means you've gotten a little bounce. So if you're looking for more, if you're looking for a sub 200 print today, First things first uh, is you got to take out that pre-market low, down 26 bucks. Not sure what the expected move is here. Uh, street leading the wrong way into the report. Uh, three updates or, yeah, uh, two really good updates. Takes it up to the high of the move. So you did get a pop initially. So if you could have sold the pop here. Uh, 2.54, that was your 4 a.m. open. I don't know if those are legitimate prints, but uh, trying to find a bid here. Uh, and this is Monday, reporting on Monday, monday.com. It is so hard to make money buying options. I'm just going and adding up the calls and the puts prices right now. The expected move, it, the options are a little thinner on this one. So if you just went in the middle, or if you went with the last, the expected move, 23.80, 20, no, sorry, 30. 33 33 bucks Joel, over 33 dollars yeah. so 27 it's down 27 but over 33 dollars i mean it's hard to make money buying options you get an 11 percent move even if you bought the puts let's just say oh yeah you know i don't like this i think it's going to be done you bought the 230 puts they were trading for 13 dollars and 40 cents this is the february the one's expiring this week um you know to knock off 13 dollars and 40 cents so you're two 17 let's say or 216 i mean it's 209 you're picking up six seven bucks but you got the direction right you got a pretty big move and you're barely making money this is why it's just a tough gig and if you've learned anything from this show over the last 10 years we've been doing this show it is tough to make money buying options the people who have made a lot of money over the years like i said my friend chris who i trade with bright trading for a long time just has made a business out of selling options and he's been doing very well for the last 12 years. Selling, selling yeah. options. Selling options, selling options, just selling insurance to the market. I mean, there is the Black Swans events, you know, during COVID, I'm sure you got to scramble for coverage to try to figure stuff out or maybe, you know, anticipate some things, but it is a hard business 
buying, making money, buying options. And well, the weeklies too, though. You're not, you know, you're not, and we've discussed yeah, this no uh, time. With, with CC, you know, the, the, the juice it gets put into those weeklies. I mean, if you're expecting a move off something, you know, off an earnings report, give yourself a little bit of time, right? If you're going out a week or two weeks, I know there's premium. There's also spreads that you can do to, you know, kind of ease the pain up. I mean, you're limiting your gain, uh, but you're you're limiting your loss as well. So that's one way to look at uh, what what moves with Monday. I mean, service now. A lot of these companies have already reported, so you're not going to get uh, you know as much of a move after the companies have already uh, reported. Uh, and would it be a day if we didn't talk about stocks that go up almost every day? Dennis, <laughs> Creature of at this market. Yep. yep. Let's talk, talk about them. SMCI up another $18 here again. I'm still along my half size position. I obviously shouldn't have sold any. It's seven days ago, Joel, where I decided like I'd over doubled my money and I was like, I'll ring the register on half. And then I'm always playing with the house's money. I think my sale was $549. Felt, felt pretty good. $250 to $549 and better part of three months. Felt pretty good. Well, now it's $758. The party just continues here. Um, I don't know. Eventually, there's going to be a pullback, you know, but that's what everybody tells me every single day, but just hasn't happened yet. And then the NVIDIA party continues as well. All the bears continue to be wrong. It's up another $6 here. They told us the high was in a 500. They told us the high was in a 666. They told us the high was in at 700. It's now $727. They continue to be wrong and, and, and not even be wrong. They are wrong because that is not the highs. I've still got the majority of my NVIDIA position. People are scared for me. They're tweeting at me. They're like, sell this, Dennis, because you're going to lose all your money. Stock's going back to 100 bucks. I don't think the story is over bucks. here yet. I haven't really felt like upside capitulation. I don't feel like SMCI is really flying here now. But NVIDIA has been like kind of early, Joel. Even the rally, like, I mean, you can say it's pretty steep. Like, pretty steep when you look at those two charts on the right. But if you look at the, the 90 day, I mean, it's kind of just orderly climb. It's not a parabolic bar. It's just an orderly climb. And every time it pulls back, it gets more buyers. I don't know. It's a hard one to figure out where to sell. Where do I sell it, Joel? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't one. know. A thousand bucks? Like I, I put out there, I put out a poll last week. Which one's going to a thousand first, SMCI or NVIDIA? And a lot of people said SMCI because it's just a smaller company, which makes sense. But a lot of people also said, I also had, so I had SMCI, NVIDIA, or Are You Nuts? And the Are You Nuts uh, poll part of it, like saying I'm nuts, uh, got a lot of votes there. Yeah, too. of course. So yeah, I figured a lot I of people don't think that. it's, a lot of people think it's going back to 100 bucks. I don't think that's happening either. I'm half my SMCI, half my AMD, and majority of my NVIDIA position. So I don't know. I'm still sitting here. I haven't decided. So, chat, when do I sell? I don't know. No, that's a four-letter word. Let's just look at it. Uh, seven, uh, just for right now, uh, the print in the after hours uh, or the pre-market, 762.30. So if that's your target on it, well, you hit it uh, today or you hit it in the pre-market looking for more follow-through. Can't give you anything off that. NVIDIA, when we talked about this technically on Thursday and Friday, a couple people have been uh, asking me. I'm like, well, you know, 500 was like a, a major level, right? And it took a while to bust through. It didn't blink at 600. And I was waiting to see if it would blink at 700. And no, uh, so far it has a sustained uh, bid here. 
over 700. We will give you the pre-market high, 729.70. So the uh, target on the upside, use your half and whole numbers here. If uh, if you're looking uh, for price targets, I don't even know where the fifth. I mean, half numbers on the. I'd almost go like you know you always say half and whole numbers. You go to the five, 725. 730, 735, like you're skipping points on these things, especially on SMCI. I mean, yeah, you know, you just right. buy it for every 50 bucks, like 750. Then you start thinking about the 800. Kenny Glick style, you know, you get the 750, yep. then you start thinking about 800. You get the 800, you start thinking about 850. I mean, there's a strategy there too. And Kenny's been one of her, you know, we have had Kenny on the show for years. I think we got to dial up. Here. And, you know, he's the master of trading momentum, you know, and, and getting out before, you know, getting killed because a lot of these stocks can be hot potatoes. I don't think this is the case with these stocks. The story is real. The companies are, are real. I, some people say SMCI is not, you know, cooking the books, but I don't think that's the case. They, they cited some accounting stuff from like five years ago. I don't know about that. I didn't research all that. All I can tell you is the numbers are real. The, the fundamentals here, and that, that's what the other people are saying too. There's no fundamentals behind this. I, I had more than multiple people saying that. I was like, what are you talking about? It's all fundamentals driving this. I mean, it's the earnings power that is driving these two stocks. This isn't like, a hot story that was just you know you know like no, no earnings behind it at all. The SMCI is, is a repricing yeah. because the earnings were too strong, so it's a hundred percent being driven. Now again, computers, technicals, are they overshot? Maybe they're overshooting. You could argue that, but this has been driven purely on fundamentals. This is an earnings-driven play SMCI, a repricing of a stock that they had too low for the earnings power that it was generating. From their preliminary and their and their actual numbers. Let's uh let's just take a quick look at AMD too. I believe that's paused a little bit, a little pause in the action here for AMD trading back up. Yeah. But uh you got a great I well, this is much more uh tame and much easier to look at. Uh if you're worried about this thing crumbling, just keep an eye on the 168 level. Uh three lows in that same area uh after a pullback. Uh also, technically, this looks a little different because you had to bump over 180. You had to decline, and then you came up, and the the rebound was uh, shy of 180. Uh, but that's your good number on the downside here. Make sure you're holding 168 AMD uh, arm. <laughs> Not really giving things back. It we know looks like it's yeah. gearing up for another leg higher. It does. You know, even though this is not a pure AI play, but they're trading it like that. I mean, Joel, this give us the technicals here because you have the huge first bar, but then you had an inside day. There you go. Closing near the high of the day, I like on Friday. Now you're getting higher here again, maybe going on piggybacking off of SMCI. I mean, all these stocks are going to trade together to a certain extent. Throw them all up in your little corner on your AI board, and NVIDIA and SMCI are probably your leaders, and ARM is probably going to follow suit. But it's dragging up, you know, obviously Palantir, you know, moving higher. But some of these smaller ones, too, I noticed starting to show some life. And again, I don't know the fundies, if the fundies are behind some of these companies, but AI, did you see C3 AI starting to finally move here again? Moved up about three, four dollars here. Sleepy chart was three, four days ago, but they're hungry for AI plays. Well, this one has the ticker. Also, the chat just mentioning Soundhound, which was another smaller company, $1.75. We don't like talking these smaller ones. Um, moving up to 225, so had a pretty big couple of days here. So you can see them just trying the market just moving around. Desperate for AI plays. 
Sound Hound. Ah, that's S O U N. Small yeah, stock. I got it. Yep. Smaller plan. Yeah. Mentioned that. Yep. I, I, I was day trading around in it the other day, just playing around with it, but no position in it this time. Uh, let's just uh, just one quick note here on the uh, arm. You did mention uh, technically, you did have an inside day, right? You you uh you made an old time closing high, but you didn't make an old time high. That old time high was made on Thursday at one twenty six eighty nine, but you backed off the close at thirteen eighty nine. High on Friday seventeen eighty two. So see what happens at one you know one seventeen eighty two one eighteen. That was uh the high with uh the inside day. Whew, boy, the close one fifteen twenty one. If you're if you are shorting this and uh, you get near the close, uh, see what happens there. Yesterday's low way down. Friday's low down at one oh two oh nine. So, uh, song remains the same for these stocks, man. Just uh, when there's no resistance, you have to say there's no resistance. So, RM Palantir, let's take a look at that one. I know that continued to have a move. PLTR. Let's see if the volume. Little bit of a red bar on Friday. 25 could be uh yep, 2511, 2506. So a potential potential double top. Potential double top in Palantir. And uh boom, yesterday, but you're not even below that uh the pair of lows from Thursday and Friday. So see what happens at 2340. That splits the lows from Thursday and Friday in uh, Palantir, Dennis, uh, let's just talk shop. I see that came up. That has earnings. Is this running ahead of its earnings? Yeah, we're, we're seeing in this consistent play, and we talk about this play on this show all the time, just being long stocks ahead of reports tends to work. Shopify, same story, running up ahead of the report. It's going to report on Tuesday night, uh, but it's a big move here for shop again this morning. I don't think there's uh, like an analyst move or anything. I think this is all just hype ahead of the report. And we're, we're seeing it consistently. I mean, ANET reports tonight. It's up 12 bucks, Joel, ahead of the report. So people just get excited. There's multiple reasons for this. We've talked about this before. One, if you're short the stock, you probably don't want to hold it to report. So anybody who is short, probably looking to cover if those short-term day traders. That's what drives price up to a certain extent. Second thing is media talks about these companies. So that gives a little bit of excitement into it. And then people are just excited to like be in stocks ahead of reports. Right, I think Shopify is a really good company. I want to own that. And they buy. So, I mean, that's why the alpha, you know, I typically trade the strategy, buying stocks a few days ahead of the reports and then selling them before the reports. In some cases, you know, like Palantir, I held a yeah. little piece through the report. In some cases, the one case, which one did I forget? I forgot on the one. Remember last week, I forgot and took one through the report. I missed it. Um, and it worked out. Oh, SoFi. It was SoFi. I, I accidentally, so I meant, I was long SoFi ahead of the report and moved up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to sell it. Um, and, 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 you know, and then, um, you know, obviously it, it, it went up like I, like I reported and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't write. I, I, for, I, for some reason I had it that it was supposed to report at night and it reported in the morning. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still long it. And it ended up popping a buck. So that was just luck. You know, it was a buck I shouldn't have had because I should have sold that. So throw that into like some cookie jar. I didn't deserve that dollar, but you got it. Sometimes luck works on your side, but being long stocks ahead of reports tends to do well. You know, we I don't know if we covered that so far last week, but uh, I think I said it. I think I yeah. said it. So you can see the earnings pop. It went from what seven? I'm just like trying to figure out which day what it was. Day it was, it was, it was probably the big pop when it Thursday. popped from seven fifty to like nine forty. 
a couple weeks ago. Two weeks. Oh, ago. it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think it was two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just going, just finishing off on the AI thing when uh, we were at uh, uh, C3 AI, we kind of left it for dead. Well, that's had a great rally off the uh, off the twenty five dollar level, so that's getting in the AI theme. Next level on the upside for this one would be uh, thirty twenty. Uh, that was your high to end the year in AI. Uh, one merger to talk about, but it's not really exciting because it's uh, Diamondback Energy uh, taking over a private company. Yeah, and uh, I guess the street likes the deal so far, Dennis. We got the Diamondback Energy uh, trading up uh, nearly $4 in the kind of sleepy energy sector. Yeah, and it is sleepy. Endeavor is um, Endeavor Energy, which is a private company, so we can't show you a stock chart on that one. Um, buying them. It's up $3.76. The market must think they got a pretty good deal. The one thing with the sleepy energy sector is that is what it is, Joel. Every time you think energy is getting ready to go, okay, this is it. This is going to be the move. You get a day like Friday, and you're like, ExxonMobil, oh, for instance, just bring that one up. You know, you're, you're, you think, oh, yeah, you're gearing up here. It looks, you know, like a little cup and handily. 105, get above this 105 and we're off to the races. And what happens? This gets rejected at 105 and closes right on the low, 101. So, I mean, this is what happens. It's just tough. This market is more of the same. It wants tech stocks. It wants the AI story. There's none of that in oil stocks. So until this market moves back to a fundamentally driven market where we're looking at, you know, value and we're looking, it's hard to be long these stocks. That will change. The market goes and it flips. You know, in all the years, Joel, you've traded stocks for 40 years. I've been trading stocks professionally Moods, for 25 yep. years now. 25 years. It wrote, so people are just like, oh, momentum, that's all it's about. It's not. It rotates. In some markets, your value, some markets, momentum. The last 10 years, it's been 90% momentum. And that's why anybody who's started in the last 10 years thinks value stocks are just trash and they're always going to be trash. But they have their moments. They have their times. In the last 10 years, those times have been minimal, though. It has definitely been a momentum market for the past decade. Uh, an interesting area here uh, coming up. We've got a pre-market high of uh, 156.50, and uh, I'm just identifying uh, a series of four highs here. And if you you know if you go in between, there's they're not exact. Uh, the highs of those highs is 157.38, but I think if someone let's see what happens if this rallies, it's it's at uh, it's up 426, a pretty good volume. Uh, if somehow they can knock out these sellers at the 157 area, boom, things open up to 160. But uh, having four out of the five highs in one area as interest, um, I guess they feel they're getting a good deal on this because uh, um, it's trading up and maybe they're not overpaying it. Another Permian Basin buy here. A lot of consolidation um, in the energy sector and uh, Fang getting in on it. Um, Exxon Mobil, we'll just do quick technical on that. Sure. We preached the 105 area. That was support. It was support. It was support in August. It was support in October. It tried to be support in November. Boom, old support, new resistance. Look how you came back up to that 105 area several times and failed. You're high on Friday. What was that? 104.84. And uh, that was right near the opening bell. CVX, uh, same thing. That had a, that has a seller at 155. Not, well, not a bad technical pattern there. I believe Oxy reports uh, this week. It's after the close Wednesday. on Wednesday. 
what's going on with Oxy here, Dennis? We haven't heard much from Warren. Is he just uh, doing his? He quiet bought some a little bit a couple of weeks ago, and you know we keep saying the Oxy put, but it's been down here for too long now. So I played this multiple times successfully, buying a fifty-eight, flipping out sixty, sixty-two buying a 58 flipping out i probably did it three or four times and on day trading perspective i might have did it 20 or 30 times you know i'm almost all successfully like just you know flipping out every night you know get down pops up get down pop up get down pop up um you know we we did really well on this trade i feel like i've just done it too long now and i feel like it's not bouncing out of here even though he buys it now when he buys it it barely gets a pop so the market's numb to it so the market, he's bought so many times. He's probably bought like 50 times down here over the course of the last year and a half. The market is numb to his buys on this. And that's not what you want to see if you're long the stock. So that's why I've just stopped. I've, I'm not in it right now. I've stopped day trading it to a certain extent too. Um, you know, I day trade everything sometimes, but I don't know if there's a move. But, you know, it's I'm not, not it's not, not one of my focus areas anymore. So I think just when the market becomes numb to all these buys, you got to be careful. We do have an, uh, we do have a deal. Um, again, biotech deals seem to happen on the Mondays here. And I want to just get to this before our guest. We got Gilead buying CBAY. So SEMA Bay Therapeutics. I've heard of this company, but I've never traded it, I don't think. $32.50. CBAY is currently halted. So if you're wondering why it's not trading up, it is currently halted. But Gilead to acquire CBAY in a $4.3 billion deal for $32.50. So XBI, I don't know if it's in there, but XBI is showing a little bit of life this morning, so maybe it is. Um, it's not a huge premium. Stock's 25, goes 32, but a little premium. Gilead, slightly down on this. Uh, they hit it harder right on the initial uh, news coming out at, 7, at 8.30, I believe, wow. down to 73. Um, bouncing a little bit here, but still in the digestion period. Uh, well, Gilead got that bad news, right, a couple weeks ago. And, man, on those on those days when you have those big drops, get that little bit of a bounce. It tried to work its way into the gap area. And this thing has just got absolutely pounded here. Uh, wow, what a move. This is such a uh, historical move for, uh, for Gilead. But what I'll say here, we are trading down. We do have some a monthly low in here to keep an eye on. 72.87. Uh, that was your low uh, in October, right? And your current low for the month is 72.81. You're only 50 cents away there. Uh, but let's see if the institutions actually, you, know, you had another month low in the $73 area. So maybe you get a couple more lows in the same area. You have a monthly low to lean on. Right now, trading down seventeen cents is uh all cash deal or is it all stock cash? Or- uh, I didn't look, Joel. Yeah. I just okay, broke no at eight thirty. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 let's go take a look here because it's not getting hit. I'm assuming it is. I would think Gilead would get hit more. Let's look. Yeah, thirty-two fifty a share in cash. Trustee Benzinga Pro says thirty-two fifty in cash. That deal came out, I think, right at eight thirty. Here, I'm just trying to get the time right. Uh, I think it was eight thirty. All right, so you guys make requests for have certain guests on the show, and I almost always deliver. Well, we've had uh, some requests for our next guest, so let's roll the intro and bring them on. Craig Johnson, Managing Director, Chief Market Technician at good old Piper Sandler, Mr. Johnson, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? 
we're doing good. So give us a historical reference on the Super Bowl indicator going back 50 years. <laughs> Tough first question. I don't. Uh, I I did not calculate those numbers because I've looked at some of those statistics in the past, and I've just not found them to be that helpful, to be honest with you. So I did not calculate those this year. I found it to be uh, pretty much, shall we call it, kind of a kind of a coin, uh, coin toss at that point. Oh, there you go. That's fun. But what I did what I did put out this morning, guys, to talk about, which I think is pretty important, is we put out our morning note. We titled it "Hold On Loosely, Don't Let Go." Might be a familiar oh, nice. song for a lot of people. Fantastic most, song. Fantastic song. But the most important point that I'm trying to get across this morning is that some of the internal indicators that we look at have just given us a sell signal. Okay. And uh, when we've seen this sell signal in the past, it's been a pretty good indication looking out the next four to 13 weeks that you can see this market come in. Certainly could be a pullback, could be a correction. Um, if you want to put it into that uh, sort of vernacular, but it definitely will be more than noise. And to me, zero to five is noise. And this could be a closer to an eight to 10% type correction in the market. Uh -huh. Why do we make this call? First and foremost, if you look at a chart of the S&P 500 guys, if you put it up, you can kind of go back to the 20, the fall of 2022. And you've had this really nice uh, upward trending 15 month price channel. And we've gotten to the very upper end of that price channel, number one. Number two, our 40-week indicator, which measures how many of our industry groups are above a 40-week moving average. That has been actually declining while this market has been working its way to new highs. Third, when we look at the number of new highs inside of the industry groups that we calculate here at Piper, we're finding that that peaked at the end of 2023. So this market is really going up on bad breath. And we're saying to people, hold on loosely. You don't have to let go, but sort of be ready for a correction here in this market that can probably take the S&P back to about 4,600. So Dennis, if you're thinking about setting up a trading strategy for that, sure. um, this could probably set up over the next 30 to 60 days. You probably make a low, I would think, just looking at the charts in the uh, late March, early April timeframe. And you'll get a better entry point at that point. But right now, um, I think the odds favor a good old correction. What, uh, slash what, the what kickstarts that? Because people have been calling for the last month. Everybody on Twitter hates NVIDIA. Um, it, people have been calling for a correction for a while here. It hasn't happened. What kickstarts it? What's the catalyst to get us, you know, just all of a sudden comes out of nowhere? Does it need a catalyst? What And, and what about the timing? Like, is it today? Is it tomorrow? Like, and obviously, I'm near a crystal ball here, but you're talking about, you know, being down, you know, a month from now, being down five, you know, five to 10%. So what do you think the catalyst is going to be here, Craig? Well, I think the catalyst is uh, most likely the fact that we're done with earnings season and there isn't going to be a catalyst coming up, right? Lack stocks, of a catalyst. Stocks need to go up for a catalyst for a reason. And now we're going to be out of earnings season. You're going to be into the conference season. Um, and I think you're just not going to have a catalyst here for a little bit. You also don't have anything coming from the Fed. The Fed is basically not going to tell you anything new. You're not going to get any new data points from them until you get to the uh, um, probably the main meeting. And that, that's at the earliest. I know that in-house people think here at Piper that it could be perhaps a June meeting where you get your first cut. But there just isn't going to be a catalyst, Dennis, here for a little bit. And again, this doesn't mean that we're bearish on the market and we don't like the market. We like the market longer term. It's just that 
the way things are setting up, looking at the charts, looking at the internals, looking at where money's rotating, um, you're starting to see some trimming of these FANG stocks, which have been great stocks, but I'm also starting to see a rotation toward financials and also healthcare, which have been laggards. I mean, IWM actually has picked it up here in the last few days. It was starting to look like, oh, here we go again about a week ago when we got down to 190. And now we're back up near the highs, like just wow. like out of the year, like boom, boom. You were talking about a little bit of a catch-up trade last year. Could that is that what you think might happen? Is that we just get you know, some maybe some rotation out of these tech winners and into some of this beaten down value that really hasn't participated as much? Well, it hasn't participated so much this year. I do think throughout the course of 2024, we will see these small mid-cap stocks pick up. I think by basic definition, this has to happen because if the Fed is going to start to cut, small mid-cap stocks do better when the Fed is cutting, number one. Number two is that if we're going to see small mid-cap stocks work, the financials need to work. And if the Fed is cutting, the likelihood that we're going to get a normal sloping yield curve will probably be quite high. And under that sort of scenario, that should help the net interest margins fundamentally for those financial companies. And that is one of the biggest parts of the IWM. And then lastly, healthcare. It's been a huge laggard. And if there's going to be some profit taking out of the MAG7 type stocks or the Fantastic Four, excluding uh, uh, Alphabet and excluding Tesla, then you're going to be at a point in time where money needs to go somewhere. All these institutions have to be fully invested at all points in time. And the money needs to go probably to the most beaten up part of the market and laggard, which would be healthcare. And what about your year end target uh, for the S&P? No change at 50-50. This is where I think we get into this trading, uh, you know, position. Mm. And you sort of, you know, Joel, you get into the trading position. You correct this back um, into the July time frame. And if I can show my screen here, I'll show you this. Yeah, sure, please. Uh, this Just at the bottom hit present. Yep, at this um, share screen. Okay, hit buttons. And entire screen. We want this. You got one. it. You've done this a few times. Yep. So this is what I'm saying to people right here. And let me zoom into this. Yeah. This is what I think is going to play out. And think about what we got coming up soon, right? People are going to have to get start to look at their uh, tax situation. People had great gains in the NVIDIAs, the Microsofts, and the Mag7s. But this is not technically, I'll be very, very clear. This is not where markets break out with a 15-month trading range and you just start shooting through the upper end of this range. That doesn't happen. And on top of it, every other time that we've gotten to the upper end of the range, we've watched the percent of stocks above their 200-day declining. You ultimately saw this sort of pullback play out over about a 60- to 90-day window. Again, I suspect that will probably be the case again. And um, you probably won't get this done and over until people get done paying their taxes. People are going to have to sell stocks to raise money, pay taxes. And then you rally off of these lows. Probably by the time you get uh, just past the 4th of July, you make a new high. You correct it back again, probably not as deeply. And you build this great looking consolidation throughout the year. Get done with the election and then move higher. Again, this is sort of what I'm thinking. If I got to polish up my crystal ball, Call this my base case is what I'm thinking. And now I'll be looking for the supporting technical evidence along the way to confirm what I'm seeing. And if I need to make some mid-year mid course corrections, I will. But I think the biggest risk to my scenario is just, you know, if the market was to keep going. But, man, that's a pretty tough argument technically right here. 
it needs it need some consolidation to really like go higher here is what you think and this could be a year of consolidation like you're not just calling for a month of consolidation you're really calling for a year of consolidation here which is an interesting call because everybody likes to call the market up you know oh it's going up 50 or, or down or you know they want to make you're calling for just maybe a little bit of chop i'm just saying they need to tune into the, you know the uh the pre-market prep and Zynga show to understand where they need to be, right? <laughs> they, they, you're going to have to trade them. You're not going to just buy them. Yeah. And hold them. You're going to have to be on board here with, with you guys trading these things up. And there's going to be these turning points in the market. And again, this is a, this is sort of a trading range that could be nine to 10% sort of trading range. And again, there's going to be great opportunities that I just don't think today is where you put the pedal to the metal. I think this is where you sort of pull it back a little bit and wait for this market to come back to you. If you ain't fading, you ain't trading, right? That good old symbol. Uh, going back like over the years, I mean, here we are, uh, mid-February. We've already hit your price target. So, I, I mean, you're giving us some of your bearish sentiment here. Going back, or not bearish, but at least a pause in the action. Going back over the years with your, you know, with your price projections and stuff. What what has been the result when you, I mean, 50-50 for the year. We're there in a month and a half. Do you have it? Can you give us any perspective when the market is at your price target in such an early part of the year? Yeah, I mean, usually what ends up happening is when you start getting new highs, you start getting more and more new highs coming into play. So if we go back and we look at, uh, oh, I don't have it at my fingertips here. Okay. But if I go back, let me just hang on one second. Okay. Switch to a different computer. If I go back and I look at, um, a study we had just put out. Let me put this over here so you guys can see it. Now you see that. But when I we did a study this, this most recent uh, month with our informed investor publication, guys, that when we start getting new highs, you tend to get, you know, oodles of new highs in a given year. Yeah. And I'll be watching this very carefully. So to answer your question, Joel, you know, we could see a market that could continue to keep making these new highs. I mean, Clearly, the risk to my forecast is that this market keeps going. I think it will work for the year. I just don't think this is a spot where you make it work. And in fact, if I look back in the past, when I've had these sell signals with our 40-week technique, you know, we have typically seen them in the zone where we are right about here. We've seen them. And if we go through and we sort of look at some of the forward returns uh, when we're in this zone, you know, these are some of your forward returns. They're not great. And these are on average, okay? So I'm not taking into consideration the absolute lows and everything else. But the odds, I think, favor that we're going to get this correction. And Dennis, what's the exact catalyst? Well, again, I just don't think there is a catalyst. Lack of a catalyst. catalyst. The catalyst is lack of a catalyst. Yeah. I mean, stocks need a reason to go higher. They do. And if we don't have that fundamental reason for them to go higher, and yes, I said that as a technician, um, we need to see that, and I'm not sure what it is right now. What about rates? We got the CPI on Tuesday, PPI on Wednesday. I mean, I don't know if I, uh, you know, that the Fed pivot when it came uh, from uh, Powell last year, I think caught a lot of people off guard. Now they put, uh, they talked about March. Now maybe May here. Uh, do you think maybe? I mean, you talk about a catalyst or a lack of catalyst is. You know, is inflation, is it really, is it whoop and whoop for good here? Or is that still something that investors need to uh, keep an eye on? Thinking about this really, really straightforward, 
what what is the reason for the Fed to cut right now? The inflation is coming down, and you, you've been watching that happening over the last several months in here. Second, we've got the economy. If you think about the GDP growth rate, that seems to be doing quite well. It seems like the Fed has an okay balance, and it's probably on their side just to sit here and wait and just yeah, wait yeah. for this market to uh, show signs. But it's interesting also, too, Joel, is that the correlation right now between the S&P 500 and the 200-day, excuse me, between the S&P 500 and 10-year bond yields has gone from negative to slightly positive. So I don't think if we even see rates go up, that's going to be a reason for this market to come in right now. I think the market is squarely entering digestion mode. And the biggest macro change I see happening in this market right now is that the Fed is probably not going to need to cut because the economy is weak. The Fed is probably at the opposite of this. And therefore, the message we should be concluding is that a stronger economy is probably going to be good for stocks, whereas in the past, it was the opposite message. And that's really started to change. And, and interesting, just looking at the chart of the TLT, and Joel, you could probably bring that up here too. I mean, sure. we've kind of, you know, on rates here, we were obviously, you know, coming in here, November, December, Powell does this big, you know, statement that, you know, yeah, we're going to, you know, maybe cut, you know, in 2024 and the pivot happens in late mm -hmm. December and TLT bounces up over 100. Well, we've just leaked here now. And it's actually interesting that like IWO and TLT were linked, it seemed like nonstop. But that linkage to what your point was just saying a few minutes ago is kind of broken apart here now where we've got TLT going down. I mean, rates, long term rates starting to climb here again. But IWM has had a pretty good couple of days. Can we get a decoupling here from this TLT-IWM relationship? I, it, it seems to be what, what is kind of starting to happen. But again, this is probably a sign that the economy is a lot better than people think. And there's still some thinking out there that the there's got to be a recession coming. I don't know. I look around at some of these things, and I think that's starting to get questioned by investors. I was in Toronto on the weekend and obviously I'm two hours, lived two hours from Toronto, but I was just down there on the weekend and we, we met a couple of our, our friends there at, at one of the big malls in Mississauga and I could not find a parking spot, Craig. Like, I mean, people are spending money. You have to actually sit and wait in the parking lot. You know, you know, it's a huge mall and you have to sit there like I'm 10 minutes and wait to get a parking spot, like follow people to their car. I'm like, there's no sign of a recession in Toronto. I will tell you that right now. No sign. Well, think about it this way. Why do people feel they, they can continue to spend? I mean, a lot of people have owned the Mag7 stocks. I mean, Microsoft, they've owned Apple, they've owned NVIDIA, they've owned some of these things, and they've all been doing well, and the market's making new highs. I mean, the mood has changed from this bearish sediment to almost the fear of missing out now. In fact, I'd throw that phrase out there, the fear of missing out. And so people have been you know, chasing the market. I just get nervous when people start chasing tapes like this, especially when you're at the upper end of a 15-month trading range. But again, nobody's really getting laid off. And if they do, they find a job pretty quickly and the market's making new highs. Who feels bad? Uh, before we let you go, um, the rotation just keeps this market afloat. We well, it doesn't really. Besides, uh, you know the the AI stocks. You just mentioned uh, the XLV here. I mean, I'm looking at that, and man, it, it this is traded up near all time highs too. Where where were you looking in the like the health the healthcare sector? 
um, if you start to see some of the rotation coming out of the big guns? What uh, what ETF or uh, sector would you be looking at? Well, I would first say the XLV is a, a great place to go to get some of that large cap exposure. But, you know, look at charts like Intuitive Surgical or Boston Scientific um, would be certainly two places where uh, people could definitely gravitate toward. Um, other things that we called out, like in our weekly piece today, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Lilly, L-L-Y, in uh, the medical supplies, WST, or even in the specialty devices, take a look at PEN or AXSM on some of the biotech side. And the one thing for all the traders out there, I think it's super interesting right now is when I go down and I look at super small cap biotech, I'm talking some of these things that could be $1 billion and below market cap and even sometimes below $500 million. There's a lot of these small micro cap biotech stocks. And again, I have no banking, no anything else that I personally do with any of these things. I'm just making the very interesting observation that there's a lot of the top 5% relative performance in the market happening in super micro cap biotech stocks, mm -hmm. which tells me that this is sort of the trade that people would take if the Fed is starting to cut, right? Because you'd want to go with the sort of long dated uh, securities. And that's something to keep an eye on. And now you're getting an acquisition out there today in biotech space, which will probably fuel um, the, the, the vision or perspective for a lot of investors. There's going to be more consolidation taking place. And they'll pick off some of these small and micro cap stocks that both those into their portfolios. We've been on the line with Craig Sandler, a frequent guest to our show, Managing Director, Chief Market Technician at Piper Sandler. Craig, thanks for dialing us up after the Super Bowl. Do you think they should make the day after the Super Bowl a national holiday? Who doesn't want to trade? Why do that? <laughs> we don't want more holidays, me and Craig. Yeah. We want to trade more days. Exactly. Go to All six right, days a week trading. Uh, 24 7. Right? You got crypto seven days a week. You got all the juice you need, right? Maybe I should move to crypto. <laughs> all right. All right, Craig. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. All right. Let's, uh, let's go back. Uh, Dennis, uh, not much going on. This has been uh, a very quiet pre market session. We've had just under an $8 range here. Trying uh, to hang will, on and unchange. Yeah. What are you seeing out there? Well, DKNG has went red. We talked about it. Um, again, this is why I listen to the show. You know, we talked about this. We called this one perfectly ahead in the catalyst. And now, you know, starting to leak. It was trading up this morning, starting to leak again. You know, I mean, it's going to chop around maybe a bit. But I, just as much as Craig was saying, stocks want a catalyst. What's the catalyst for DKNG now? What is the catalyst going forward here for Penn? You know, the, the, the Super Bowl is now behind us. And when stocks lose a catalyst, Often there's a lot of people sitting in there. Yeah, I want to be along these things. Oh, yeah, I watch this. I want to buy this. And it's like that's, you know, often, you know, once you lose the cast, you get behind the event. That's when you start to see some of that money that was in it for the event come back out. So Penn, DK, and G have indeed went red. Uh, easy, Mike. Uh, reading uh, my mind here, I was thinking really nothing until March Madness here, uh, you know, with the hoops. So, uh, but man, that's nothing. That's nothing like uh, nothing like the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a, it's a bunch more games. So, March Madness, baseball, man, baseball. Uh, they're starting spring training. That's a that's a ways off here. But uh, I think February starts to get a little long. 
Yeah, 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 it's a little. Sure. You're in the middle of the hockey season. The games aren't fully meaningful. Obviously, they're always meaningful, but I mean, you know, it's not like you're in the final ten games and you're jockeying for position. Teams trying to get in the playoffs, and then obviously April starts. You know, in the D, April in the D. You remember all those commercials all the time when baseball season starts, and we're ways away from that too. So February, you do get a little lull after the Super Bowl. It's my Red Wings, man. Red Wings. They're looking decent. You see, they were down three-one to Vancouver. Yeah, the first period, and then they yeah. ended up uh, winning on a rare penalty shot. I love that. I hate Vancouver. So, as an Oilers fan, you do not like Vancouver Canucks. So, love it when they lose. Okay, all right. So we've we've covered our earnings. We've covered our disaster stock of the day. We've covered our merger here. Uh, where where would you like to go here? Or we can always go to the chat here and see if there's uh, yeah, you know, a little bit of ticker, ticker time, time in a long time. Let's do five minutes of ticker time. Chat. You're you're all in there. Give us a few tickers here. First one that pops in there, I'm going to cover. Okay. So we're waiting. Survey says. What do we got here? Oh, look. Well, again, we got to wait for the delay because it's six seconds. So here yep. we go. Chat. A little. Crocs. Ooh. This is the first okay. one. Oh, my gosh. Again. Okay. So Crocs. I'm going to throw it to you, Joel, because I do have a trading position in this one. Crocs reports this week. You know, I like to be long stocks. I had a report. Wink, wink. Okay. Uh, Crocs. No, wink, wink. Just. It's moved up seven bucks already ahead of the report, so it's actually already kind of ran a little bit here. But they like to run ahead of the reports. When I'm looking on my sheet here, what what day do they report? Uh, Thursday night. Thursday night. Wow. Get wow. So you still got some time. As far as resistance goes, I'm not really seeing anything. If you're looking for a target here today, uh, let's say first things first, take out yesterday's high, 107.77. So if you're holding this, you want to see it hold that high and the close. Uh, but you, 110, if I was holding out for this on the report, I would say uh, 110.80 or 110.90 was your uh, December 14th high. You also had a high in that area at the 111.14. So it's a little bit above 110. Then uh, you start to get in the uh, into the gap area. So that's what I'm looking at in uh, Crocs here. What was the second one? Oh man, we are just flooded here, Dennis. They, they flooded it, yeah. When they when all right, you go, you give it to me, and then I'll just. Well, so go. We don't talk energy. We do the second one too. It's Duke Energy. We don't talk the utilities too Duke much. Is here, obviously. Duke is Duke. And, and again, these plays are going to be linked to rates a lot more than IWM. We talked about the IWM linkage. XL UTLT have been linked for decades since I've started trading twenty-five years ago. Always TLT moving with XLU because. Utility stocks are traded like bonds. You know, they're there. People are in it for the rates, for the dividends. They're not in it for the growth. So if you look at the chart of TLT, look at the chart chart of Duke, look at the chart of SO, which is another big one. They all kind of look similar here. XLU, again, it's it's all linked to the TLT. If TLT starts to rally, you will probably start to see a rally in Duke Energy and some of the other ones. Had a rough couple of days. I don't know if there was uh, maybe that earnings. I'm trying to think. No, like three I got days it for ago. you, Dennis. Uh, what is well, it? I, got, I got you the catalyst for today, trading down 51 cents on 63,000 shares. That's a pretty big move for Duke. Is there news uh, today? B of A downgraded Duke Energy to no, neutral, lowers price target to 96. Uh, yeah. So there is your downgraded. catalyst couple bad days in this one too traded down another mm-hmm. 51 cents here so if you want to be an analyst fader here you'd be looking at your next daily low here at 9112 so off the hop here I'd like to see that hold the 91 area 
Um, after that, you're moving in on uh, the $90 level. There's a pair of lows. Coming back on the upside, if you just want to wiggle out of this thing, well, you get a 50-cent pop to 91.63. Uh, that was the low and the close. So for right now, uh, resistance coming in at the bottom of the range, and Duke Energy traded down 53. That's a big three-day move for Duke. So I don't know how if you want, just want to get out the scalpel and start shorting it. What else do we have, Dennis? Well, they've got a lot of stocks that are reporting this week. Coinbase is one. Maybe we could cover that one. Bitcoin has continued to move higher, moving up here again today. So we called this one correctly. Here I added my Bitcoin just a few days ago, um, which was a good ad. Um, Coinbase is bounced with Bitcoin. Uh, it does report Thursday night as well. A lot of companies reporting Thursday night, so we can say we're out of earnings season, but there's a lot of smaller tech companies that are still due to report. It's been a big three-day move, 114 to 141. Big move, massive, massive resistance at 160. I That's a ways that. away from here. Um, does it continue wow. to run into the report? It's hard when you know when you're so linked to something else, like because you know you can say, oh yeah, there's certain stocks that are going to run up into the reports, but Coinbase just trades off Bitcoin. So when Bitcoin's running, it's running. So it's hard to make you know a fundamental call on Coinbase. You know when Bitcoin is your catalyst always for Coinbase. Man, this thing is in absolute no man's land. Uh, Bitcoin's trading up. I'm not sure where you know how it traded on uh, you know Saturday and all day Sunday. Uh, that's traded down a couple bucks. I I think you're selling in the weakness right here. Yesterday's low 137.17. So got a ways to go. I don't know if we will see that uh, in today's session, but easier to identify resistance there at 141.99. All right, do you want to sneak sneak one more in here, Triple D, or we want to wrap it up here on this Monday? Oh, uh, sure. Oh, what I haven't looked at for a long time, O-N-O-N. I haven't looked at that for a long time, so I'm just curious bringing up the chart. Oh, it's starting to show some life. This was obviously one of the darlings there uh, last year on holdings. Um, had a pretty good year, 2023, at least the first half, when it went from $15 up to 35 It's been a consolidation. It's been yeah. a consolidation station for a long time here. Not a tech stock. You know, you, you wonder if this is, you know, going to be one of those fad stocks that, you know, it gets the big pop and then eventually just kind of, you know, fizzles out. I think you got some major resistance at 30, 32. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm going to take a pass, really. I'm trying to call yeah, it. Yeah. I would say you want to see this thing get over 30 bucks, get a sustained bid at 30. Uh, yeah. Next daily high comes in at 30, 20. All right, Triple D, it is 9.02 here. I don't think I've ever seen the S&Ps move less uh, during a pre-market show that or the SPY. I don't think I've ever seen it move less. So uh, let's see if we get a sustained bid uh, above the close. So we'll give you that number at uh, 5044. Uh, tomorrow, of course, it's T3 Tuesday. We'll be joined by Scott Red Dog Redler. See if he's identifying any weakness in this market as our earlier guest did at 835. Thanks for uh, Craig Johnson, Piper Sandler coming on today's show. Uh, Triple D, go out there, get them. Folks, thanks for joining us. We'll be back thanks at so our much. regularly scheduled time tomorrow morning, 8 a.m.